All right, well, good morning, CPKI. So good to see you. If you have any kids right now, please dismiss those to Children's um, Church C Kids. We're so glad that you could do that. And also, take a few moments to greet somebody uh, across the room, over there, over there. Say hi, high five, high five, couple handshakes, that kind of stuff. All right, well, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's glad to see each and every one of you guys here today, um, your wonderful faces and all that good stuff, and saying hello to you one more time. Um, if this is your first time at CPKI, we're glad to have you here. Thank you for visiting and uh, giving up a little bit of your morning to spend with us. We are um, continuing a series here entitled Maximizing the Moments, Maximizing the Moments. The whole purpose of this series is to really get us to look at life and how we can get the very best out of it, how God desires to get the best out of it, and how God desires for us to experience the very best he has in life for us. We have so many things going on from uh, jobs, work, school, um, marriage, um, finances, all those kind of things. And so we want to start finding out not just how to deal with those things, but how to get the very best out of what those things are given to us and how we can use them for our best abilities and gifts and talents. And so again, um, we're going to continue this series called Maximizing the Moments. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask for you to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible but you have a phone app, feel free to, to scroll through and find that. We'll also have the scriptures on the screen in just a moment. But while you're flipping through um, your Bible or going through your phone to find that uh, Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to pray for us real quick. Father God, we thank you again for your grace. We thank you again for your mercy. We thank you again for your love and your kindness. We ask God that you would take opportunity um, to use this moment to open up our hearts, open up our ears, to receive your word, to receive your truth, to grow in the very power and the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we have uh, Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to ask that you guys would stand with me as we honor God's word as we read it. Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 18. Then the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, The one... This one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a woman leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Amen. You guys can be seated. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about a really touchy subject today, so you guys just strap in and hang on in there. We're going to be talking about maximizing the moments in your marriage maximizing the moments in your marriage. Now, if you're not married, don't worry, because it all ties back around at the end. So just strap in and hang on for a little bit. But maximizing the moments in your marriage. We see, again, from the very creation of Earth, 
creation of time, in the book of Genesis, God says, all right, there's this guy here, and he's just stumbling around, watching ESPN, hunting all day, just kind of looking crazy and wild. And God says, this is not good for man to be alone. Man needs a helper. He needs a wife. And so God causes this man to go to sleep. He performs a little surgery, and poof, there's a woman named Eve, and then the two become one, husband and wife. From the very beginning of Scripture and time, we see that God is creating relationship, and he's creating a relationship between husband and wife. He's saying these two need to be together. This is something that God ordains. He does this because for later on down the road, he's going to show us that through husband and wife, this is how the model of church should look. This is how the example of how church should be. And so he says through the relationship of husband and wife, we can also see the relationship of Christianity. We can see the relationship of serving and loving and honoring and building the church. And he says he does that through this example called marriage maximizing the moments, we have to maximize in a whole lot of different buckets and areas of life. One of those ways is if you are married, we want to talk about maximizing the moments in your marriage. If you're not married or if you're thinking, I'm never doing that again, then this is great. (laughs) Hang in there because it does come full circle to what God has for us when it comes to looking at how the church is going. Um, We're going to dive into this passage of scripture that at times can be a little rough for some married couples, can be rough for husbands and wives, a passage of scripture that at times can be frustrating if you're getting ready to get married or grab this concept. I want to share with you this. And so we're going to go through these five points that I have for you on maximizing your marriage. But before we do that, I need to lay down the ground rule of this passage of scripture we're getting ready to go into. Are you guys ready? Oh, man, they're excited today. All right, here we go. Are you guys ready? Yeah, all right, here we go. So Ephesians 5.21, this is the ground rule for all of the conversation that we're about to get into today. Ephesians 5.21, this is the ground rule for everything we're going to get into. If you do not understand this ground rule, you're going to have a really tough time moving forward the rest of this message. Here we go. Somebody read Ephesians uh, 5.21. Read this real quick. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He says when he starts off, Paul starts off before he starts talking about marriage, before he starts talking about what marriage looks like, he says, I need you to understand that you both have to submit to what? Each other. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Each of you guys have to submit to one another. He says, in order for a marriage to work and be successful, there is submission that is involved, but submission starts with each other submitting to each other. Are you guys with me? This is the ground rule for how this passage of Scripture is going to work, how we're going to translate it, and how we're going to interpret it. In order for you and I to be successful in our marriage, if you're planning to get married, whatever it is, in order for this to work, both of you have to be submissive to one another, and you both ultimately have to be submissive to who? That's a trick question. I don't want up there. Be submissive to God as well. Submissive to one another and submissive to who, number one, and first most? God. If you're submissive in those areas, then we're going to start maximizing the moments in our marriage. Here's the first point I want to give you, and get ready. Submit. Ephesians 5, through 24 reads like this. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. This is one of the most difficult passages in all of Scripture for, um, yeah, we'll keep moving. And so this is one of the most difficult passages of Scripture. When I do marriage counseling, this Scripture is frustrating for women. 
And when I do premarital counseling, this scripture is frustrating for women. And it ends up a lot of times when we do premarital counseling, we will spend at least two sessions dealing with this particular passage of scripture. And the question is why? And it's because this word submit seems like a very, very tough word and tough thing to do. And it is difficult to submit. And on top of it being difficult to submit, I got to submit to some guy. Can you believe I got to submit to some guy? I am highly educated. I'm intelligent. I have opinions. I have values. I have thoughts. And you want me this archaic kind of text talks about submitting to, what is this? The fifth century, the first, what, it's frustrating for people to grab a hold of this passage of Scripture. This passage of Scripture doesn't mean that you are a slave to your husband. It means that in some kind of organization, leadership structure, somebody has been determined and has to be the lead. Are you guys with me? And because somebody has been determined as the lead, God has determined that the man is the lead. And so now we have to deal with what this means to submit. Well, it means this. It first of all says in the verse before that both of you guys have to submit to who? Each other. You're with me? And so because we submit to each other, then I'm able to let the man lead when I'm able to submit to each other. So I'll give you an example. Rosie and I are married. How you doing, girl? <laughs> Dude, don't use me for illustration today. Listen, we're married. When we have issues and topics to come up, for the most part, we come to each other and we discuss the topic and the issue at hand for the most part, right? We work very hard for the most part to make this happen. For the most part, not perfect, for the most part. We discuss, we talk about, we hammer out, we talk about, we may pray about, we may talk about, we may, y'all hear where I'm going with this? We discuss this issue and this topic until we have an idea of where we think we're going with this. And biblically, at the end of the day, the person that is supposed to have somewhat of the final decision on this conversation should be the head, the man, the husband. Are y'all with me? Man is tight. And in this process, if you and the husband, husband and wife can talk and discuss this whole process out, hopefully you both should be on the same page when you make the decision in the first place. So it shouldn't be a huge issue or surprise when this decision happens because you both talked it out and reasoned it out so that when you make the move, it shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. Because you all should be submitting to one another that I'm interested in your thoughts, I'm interested in your insight, I'm interested in your point of view, I'm interested in what you have to say. And when we make the decision, even though I'm kind of making the decision, we've made the decision together. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, there's less drama in the household because we made this decision what? Together. Now there will be times when someone's got to pull the trigger. You've discussed, you've hashed it out, you've prayed about it, you've talked about it, and all of a sudden, it's either left or right. We're running out of time. And it's one of those things we got to make a decision on. Scripture says at that point, we lead or we lend towards the who? The head, the man. Thank you, brother. There was one man that was bold enough to say it. <laughs> You're going places in life. <laughs> Proud of you. You got no woman next to you neither, but I'm proud of you. That's a good job. <laughs> and so eventually, that decision and that onus falls on the head. And if that thing, if it fails, 
it fails, but it fails because you guys talked about it and you tried to make the best decision possible after you waited and you played it out as much as possible. Whew, man. So let me give you, let me give you a, a living illustration. Um, hi, for most of you guys here, I'm your pastor. I didn't put a gun to any of y'all heads and say, I'm going to be your pastor. Follow me. Let's go. You guys have submitted in some kind of way to come to church on Sunday, to come to the activities that we do in the week. Uh, you call, you, you've submitted yourself in some kind of way to follow either me or the leadership of this church. And so why I believe God starts this passage of scripture off by saying both of you have to submit to one another and God. But then he comes to the women and says, listen, I need you to submit to the man because this is the authority that we have, have structured out. He says, I need you to submit because in order for you to submit, he, he, he has to lead. In order for him to lead, he needs somebody to follow. And if you're not willing to submit, he can't what? Lead. Hello. And sometimes the biggest conflict in marriage is sometimes because she doesn't want him to lead or she wants him to lead a certain kind of way, and he can't lead a certain kind of way because he doesn't know how to be a leader. You got to give him time to be a leader so that he can lead. But until you let go of some stuff to let him lead, he can't lead. And that means you're going to have some failures in your marriage. There's going to be times where he messes up. There's going to be times where I mess up. There's going to be times where I say and do the wrong thing. I wasn't leading properly because I didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't know it. Nobody comes in with the playbook on how to be a great husband. And nobody comes in a playbook of how to be a great wife. But it has to come to a point where I'm willing to say, listen, I'm going to let you lead and figure this out, and we're going to stumble and fumble along a little bit till we get this thing going. I need you to lead in certain areas. I'm going to fall back in some ways. Man, y'all picked a tough Sunday to come if you a visitor. I'm so sorry. We're going to have a lot of fun next week. Come back next week. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and so he says, listen, I need you to understand, in order for this man to lead, you have to let him. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to. That's tough. I don't want to. Marriage is a picture of the church. And it's funny because Christ is saying, let me show you how to get there. And we're saying, I don't want to. I got a plan and a vision for you. I don't want to. I got a way we should go. I don't want to. And we have this rustle and this struggle that's going on. And it comes down to sometimes we have a fight of power and control. If two people are submissive to each other, we're trying to work this plan out what? together. And if you have a man that's really chasing after the Lord's heart, then you'll understand that his heart is not to impose and enforce his will, but to make sure that we're moving and tracking in the right direction as a man of God, not just a man. Because he has submitted himself to the authority of God to a point where he's willing to look like Christ in his marriage to the point where it's not my will, but I want God's will to be done. Let's move on. I didn't even highlight any of this stuff. I highlighted all the other stuff. Watch this. Point number two, sacrifice. Ephesians 5.25 reads like this. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. 
in order to be an amazing man that's going to be able to do amazing things in his marriage with his amazing wife to maximize the time and the talents and the gifts and to be everything God has called them to be, he has to be willing to submit his life. He has to be willing to sacrifice and give up his life. That scripture that we read in Genesis, it says that he leaves his mother and his father and he says bye to all childish things and he's trying to grow up and lead. Are you with me? Some of us haven't let go of our childish stuff yet. Ooh, ladies are like, yes, get them. Get them. High five. They're going to run around and high five. They're going to cheer all day. Fellas, you had your chance. You had your chance. And now he says, listen, in order for you to be successful, in order for your marriage to be great, in order for you to maximize this thing, you're going to have to make great sacrifices. Because Christ sacrificed his what? Life for the church. That we're called to sacrifice our lives for our wives. That means we need to start giving up all this childish stuff, all this selfish me time, all this selfish is me, my time. I won't watch all the games all night, all the, shut up. Yeah, grow up, man. Because Christ loved the church to a point he gave literally his life. And God says that you're not in this marriage, um, um, you're not in this marriage for intimate times and three square meals. You're in this because you're here to change what? Lives. By the fact that your life is changed. And so I am submitting my life to you, God. I'm submitting my, my everything to you. I'm giving you my all so that I can look like you more and more each day so that I can change the life of the person you gave me so that I can build life off of the life you gave us. And he says, this is what marriage looks like for the man is that we are to sacrifice. We are to give. I got $5 left in my pocket. And one of y'all kids bought extra cookies at school. We ain't going to point nobody. We ain't going to call no names. Your lunch costs $3 a day. I done mapped it all out, $3 a day times five is $15. I gave you 18 on your lunch account, and you done maxed out all your juice and soda. A dollar 25 for soda. Milk comes with the meal. You don't want to look this way now, huh? That's fine. As I'm driving to school, I get alert on my phone that says, she doesn't have any more money. Yeah, you got, today you do. Today you do, you got $30 in your account. Be gone by Tuesday. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, you get a meal. You want a meal, girl? You want a meal? I got $30. You can get a meal. Everybody get a meal. And she the only one that ain't got no meals by Wednesday. And I have to reach in my pocket with my last $5 I was trying to save for my lunch. Here. Why? Because mm. <laughs> I'm sacrificing every single thing I have so that my family is successful. I'm sacrificing everything I have so that not just my family, but my wife is successful. You running late? I got it. You need this? I got it. 
we should be in a posture of sacrificing because Christ sacrificed. And if we're modeling after Christ, then the life that he modeled before us is that he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave. Now, somebody's going to ask me, what about me? When do I get some time? I'm giving up everything. I work two jobs and there's no sleep and help out with homework because I'm better at math and she's better at math. <laughs> what about me? Well, there's this passage of scripture. He said, oh, he went to the Bible. That's so wrong. There's this passage of scripture in Luke 6, 38. This says, give and it shall be given back to you. Press down. Shake it together, run up. It says that if there's this concept that if I give all of my resource, my time, my finance, my money, it says eventually God will what? Give it back. If there are moments in marriage where as a man, what, what should happen? Hi, I love you. What, what happens is sometimes I give so much that she will literally say, she being my wife, will literally say, go have a free day. What? 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 This is a trick. It's a trick, isn't it? What I ain't do? I ain't, I ain't do something. I ain't, what, what, what? She said, go have a free day. Uh, what? I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I'm frustrated. And she says, I recognize that you've given so much to this household. I'm taking the kids for eight hours. You go to wherever you want to go. Really? Why? Because I have given and I have given and my whole concern and thought process is how can I honor the Lord? How can I honor this wife? And occasionally I get a free pass. Because you can't help but to sow into life and get life back. Okay, they miss it. They miss it. They miss it. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So Jesus dies on the cross, right? That's what you guys are here for. He died on the cross. He gives up his life. And not only does he get his life back, but others now get life from the life he gave. Y'all with me so far? And so he says, the husband, if we're willing to sacrifice and give, God will supernaturally give us life again in different kinds of ways that we'll experience them on higher levels, we'll experience them on deeper levels, we'll experience them in higher relationships. Not only that, but because we gave our life, others will now have life. Starting with your wife. Whoa, <laughs> brought it back around. If your, life, if your wife ain't got no life, something ain't right. That's a rap. Watch that. It was rapping. They didn't even know it. If you're not giving up your life and your wife is not getting any life, something's not right. And we need to revisit while you don't, while your bride, while the precious thing that you should be sacrificing isn't living to the full, why she doesn't feel life anymore. Sometimes that's not a you issue. That's a her and Jesus issue. Sometimes it is our issue. And we need to reevaluate what it looks like to sacrifice so that this wife, so that this life can be great. Not a happy wife, happy life. None of that crap. It's not, that's, not, that's not true. Because the Lord knows if it was all about happiness, we wouldn't be doing all the stuff that God has called us to do. It's not about happiness, but it is about sacrificing so that your wife can be successful. Point number three. Are we on three? Three. Sanctify. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing 
of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or other any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. He says, in order for this wife to experience the best, in order for you to maximize your relationship, in order for you to maximize marriage, the husband not only needs to give up his life looking like Christ, but he also needs to clean her and make her holy. And he doesn't do that by beating her over the head with scripture. He doesn't do that by saying, well, listen, the Bible says and you ought to. He doesn't do all that. He lives a life that models holiness. There's a passage of scripture that says, he says, follow me as I, if I'm striving to be holy. Something to that effect. He says, listen, I'm trying to be holy. You should be holy. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so he says, if I'm trying to walk like Christ, then hopefully other people in the household, hopefully my wife, hopefully will see Christ and they'll start to emulate Christ. And if they're emulating Christ at a higher level, then, man, I'm going to start working twice as hard so that I can emulate Christ just as much. And we're going to shine this whole Jesus thing as bright as we possibly can. And we are working together. In this day and time and in this culture, it's a lot of relationships before before marriage takes place. A lot of relationships happen before marriage takes place. And so we come into relationships after the first husband or the 38th boyfriend or the 15th girlfriend or wife or whatever. We come into all this relationship with all this emotional and, and, and mental and spiritual baggage. And it's my job as the husband to be the most pure looking holy thing I possibly can so that I am not I'm not, I'm not part of the crew, but I'm the standard. Hello? As a man, I should be trying to be the standard of what godliness looks like. I should be the standard of trying. Hey, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to have your bad days, your bad weeks, decades. <laughs> you have some bad years in here. But man, I should be striving to be the standard of what holiness looks like in my marriage. Not only should I be looking to be the standard of what holiness looks like in our marriage, but also I should be going able to cleanse her and wash her with God's word, his truth. We should be sharing some kind of scripture. We should be talking about some kind of concept of Christ. We should be talking about some concept of love and, and giving and right versus wrong, not in our own point of view, but by God's point of view. There is a standard of where I am washing and sharing the word. We're going through Bible. We're going through conversation. We're going through something where we look like Christ at the end of the day. And for men, that takes what? Sacrifice. We don't like to read nothing. Even the stuff that interests us, we don't like to read it. Man. Maximizing the moment means that I am willing to make her holy. I'm willing to clean her with the word to a point where she becomes spotless without wrinkle. I'm trying to live up to the expectation that my wife says, this dude gets it. It's funny because when you get into the first part of Ephesians that we just read through, it tells the wives to what? Oh, y'all tight. Come on, wives. What does it tell you to do? Oh, you hate it saying to submit. As we go further through Ephesians, I found two things more that it's saying to the guys. Guys, I need you to submit, but I also need you to sacrifice. Not only do I need you to sacrifice, but I need you to sanctify, clean her, and wash her. Not only do I need you to clean her and wash her, but I need you to saturate her. Watch Ephesians 5, 25, 28 through 29. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church 
In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Love, 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 love. Y'all see that? I underlined it because some of y'all guys don't like to read. I put a picture on there for you, too. I underlined it. Love, 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 love. It is so easy for us guys to get into a routine, into a schedule, into a program, and to plug in, and bam, I did this, I did the dishes, all right, I'm out, and I'm gone. See you later. We got all this stuff we do and saying whatever. And God says to understand that you are called to love your wife. You are to saturate her with love and affection. And sometimes these guys were like, I showed up. I'm here. Is this not good enough for you? No, it's not. Because scripture says to love to saturate, to give her your all. I know you don't work your seven jobs. I know you don't do whatever you're supposed to do. Are you loving your wife? And sometimes the answer is no. We are loving, but are we loving our wife? Ladies, y'all should be high-fiving. I'm throwing body blows. Fired, you're both fired. <laughs> Ladies, you should be like, this is on point. I've been asking this dude to love me for 28 years. This is what God is saying to us as men. In order to maximize our marriage, we've got to start loving our wives, not just being loving or making a guest appearance. Ooh. And I'm just as guilty. So I'm not talking to you, and I'm not feeling it myself. It means that we have to sacrifice our time. We have to reevaluate our motives and our priorities. Are we trying to do something to get her out of the way? Or are we trying to actually spend time and listen and be involved? Are we loving our wives? Are we saturating her, pouring it on? Y'all remember Pepe Le Pew? Man, Pepe Le Pew loved that cat, didn't he? Oh, my me, send me good And that gap was just trying to get away. Everything in her trying to get away. I wish we could saturate our wives so they're like, time out, no, stop, no, sit, <laughs> sit, lay, go. <laughs> like, if we could get to that point where our wives are like, dude, thanks for the love, time out, you win. When you think about how much the God of the universe loves us. Not only that he gave his life, but in the middle of our worst moments, he comes back around and says, I want to offer you another kiss. I want to give you another hug. I still value you. I still think you're important. I still think you're amazing. I love you tremendously. You are the greatest thing ever. And you say, no, I'm not. I'm horrible. He says, I love you. And you run around with him or her or whatever your thing is, alcohol, drugs, uh, or whatever it is. You run around with your thing hand to hand. And he still says, I'm chasing after you passionately because I love you. We had a really good fight on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's a beautiful day. Oh my God, right? We had a, we had a beautiful fight. 
It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful day. It was warm outside. We went out to the fire pit. We had our little thing set up and we were all in the mood and somebody said something and then somebody said something else and then it went rah, and went rah, and then it went Like Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm like, what happened to the? She went to sleep and I said, good, glad you went to sleep. I'm going to eat this pork chop. <laughs> Ate my pork chop at the edge of the bed while she was sleeping in the bed. And I was good. I don't want to talk to you neither. And the next morning, she gave me her most wonderful wife checks ever. Can you pick up the kids? <laughs> you know that text. I don't want to talk to you, but I forgot something important. I should have told you last night before we had a fight. So real quick, can you pick up the kids? Bye. <laughs> the quickest sex ever. Like, you see the smoke coming out of the screen. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, for real, that's what we're doing today? So I struck a conversation up. I'm not going to say she was right in her argument. I'm not going to say I was right in my argument. I think we both have valid points. We also both had points of view. Y'all with me? So I struck up a conversation about finances. I'm a smart guy. You can't talk about finances with women because they want, oh, we talking bills. And so we just started talking bills back and forth. I'm telling everybody my game. It's my game, girl. I worked it. I worked it. We talk bills and we talk bills and we talk summer camp. We talk school and we talked and we talked and we talked. And finally, I ended that message with, listen, here it is, fellas. It's the biggest game you can ever use. I said, listen, you can go back to not talking to me for the rest of the day. But I want you to know I love you. I'm always love you. And if I could remarry you again, I'd marry you again. And I love you and goodbye. I said some other stuff. It was cute. <laughs> and she gave me laughing emojis because she said, how can I still not talk to you after that stupidness that you just sent me? <laughs> 8.30 in the morning, nobody pick up the kids. 11 o'clock, we're laughing. 11.45, we're on the phone talking. You know we didn't finish last night, girl. Why? Because... I'm more concerned with being in love with my wife than that argument. I'm more concerned about loving my wife than winning. I'm more concerned about loving my wife than us going with all this separation because Satan desires separation in marriage so that he can get all in there and mess everything up. So we're not going to continue this separation. And maybe after a week, we'll come back and revisit this conversation, and we'll be more in, in cool moments, and we'll be more uh, able to express ourselves. But I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. I'm going to love the hell out of her. And she can love the hell out of me. Because it's Jesus' love that gets this hell out of our hearts. And he does it regardless of how right or who's wrong or whatever or past situations or past dramas or past problems. He loves us beyond that point that he says, I'm willing to work in your heart regardless of your problem, regardless of your hate, regardless of your hurt, because I'm in love with you. And when a man can say, I love you more than this argument, I love you more than what you think about me, I love you more than you won't let me do X, Y, and Z, that's when you start to get it. The ladies, you keep hearing this word submit, and it's frustrating, and it's hard, and it's horrible. But I'm trying to tell you that this dude's got to submit. He's got to sacrifice. He's got to sanctify. He's got to saturate. And he's got to do it because that's what Christ looked like. Now, if you're mad at your man for not living like Christ, 
You picked them. <laughs> you picked them. I didn't know it was that bad. Well, you didn't investigate long enough. I didn't know. Did you do a credit report? Did you go on Facebook? Check them out? Talk to his mama? Nothing. Big old sodas and you were sold. Wavy, luxurious hair, you were sold. You picked them. So now you got to work with your pick. Oh, I don't want to hear that. You got to work with your pick. Pastor, I didn't know she was going to be this controlling, and I didn't know she was going to... Dog, put a ring on her finger. Did you invest in that ring or stole it from somebody? Well, however you got it on her finger, you did it, right? Amen. Well, you're going to have to work. Well, she changed some years ago after the... I don't... Shut up. You changed. I'm not, a, I'm not a strapping 250 like I used to be. There's some changes that took place. Till you can work this strapping 250 back into shape, you better put some cologne on it and, and get it together, champ. Invest in some jeans or something. <laughs> Change your underwear, too. <laughs> Come on, man. Stop playing. This goes both ways. Here's what I found out. That if you are locked into God's word as a man, if you are locked into God's word as a woman, if you're willing to submit yourself to God and to submit yourself to making this marriage work, if you're willing to submit yourself to God being the authority, trusting in God, trusting in the process of failure, Trusting in the process of being successful. You'll hit point number five. Sink. Watch this, 31 through 33 reads like this. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It says this, that when two people come together, two people from different backgrounds, different mentalities, different mindsets, different beliefs, different principles, different family history, different healths, different interpretations of how to do things, when they come together and they go through these first four processes that we talked about, both submit to each other. She submits to the leadership authority of the husband. The husband submits to her in leadership of talking about and working out decisions. Then he goes from sacrificing to sanctifying to saturating to you guys will end up being in sync that the two become one. And that process does not get done in a week. And it does not get done in a year. It is something that has to consistently be what? Done. You're never over with it. It is constantly working on and being in sync. I can text her on the phone and she can say, what's wrong? Good morning, I love you. What's wrong? How did she know? <laughs> How did you know? I didn't say anything to you. I literally said good morning. 
What's wrong? She didn't do anything. I'm just bombarded with stuff at work. She knows she's in sync. Anybody got a Bluetooth in here? On your car, on your wireless phones, any of that stuff? All right, let me help you. Let's just go a little deeper. Does anybody have Wi-Fi? Exactly, I shouldn't, but here we go. Everybody's like, I don't know the blue system. Everybody's got Wi-Fi, right? There are times in life when you come home and you hop on your device and you're like, what is, what is, what is this? Signal loss. I, what the heck? Stupid. Ah, here we go. Back on track. Boop, boop, boop. Have you ever had that before? Have you ever, has your phone, has your device lost the signal before? Has that ever happened? It's so frustrating. And that happens in marriage and in life and even with our relationship with God. Sometimes we get out of what? Sync. It doesn't mean it's over. It just means I need to go back and put the stuff back in right so that we can be back in sync again. And some of us are tossing our phones out the window. You laughing like, who throws a phone out the window because we're not in sync today? Come on, man. We need to get back in what? Sync. God is saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to be involved with you. I just need you to get back in sync. I'm the right signal. You're just not in sync. Get with me. Marriages are struggling because we have come out of sync with one another, and nobody wants to spend time in fixing it. How do I know? Because you'll go a long way for you to throw that router out in your house. You'll go a really long way before you get rid of that phone. You will plug and reboot. You'll take it out. You'll call, you'll call every cable contract. Hello, Comcast, Cox, all of y'all. I need your help. I don't have any service. My signal's messed up. You'll go through every step you can to get a signal back in place. She ain't cook your dinner right two times. You're done. He didn't love me for a month. I'm done. We spend more time getting our internet and gadgets and devices hooked up than we will trying to hook our marriage back up. And he says, if you're willing to go through these steps and these processes, you will find yourself in sync. And because you have gone through these steps and processes, when you realize that you are out of sync, it hurts. Did y'all hear that? It hurts. We had that wonderful time at the fire pit. You was mad, I was mad. And the next day when she texts me with the the quickest, you can hear the kids. It hurt. And my best friend wasn't in sync with me and I wasn't in sync with her. And so right now, if five bars is the ultimate high, I'm just trying to get us to three. Let's <laughs> just get to three, baby. And we'll come back around. I just need some service. I need some signal. I need to be connected. Y'all don't throw your phones out when you don't get no service. We've checked out of our marriages. You checked out of our relationships. You checked out of our best friends. God says that I desire for you to be in sync with my word, with my truth, with my principles. God says, listen, for your marriage, for our marriage, for my marriage, we have to start working on being in sync. And that's where we experience God. That's where we get to see this model of life take place. To maximize your marriage means you have to get in sync with your spouse. Amen? Let's pray. God, is by your grace and your ultimate 
ability, your strength, your passion, your desire for us. Will you remind us through even maximizing the moments of how to make our marriage work, that you, Lord, bring us back to the fullness of you, that you bring us back to scripture, that you bring us back to your truth, that you bring us back to what your church should look like, a beautiful marriage. So God, for our adulterous hearts and our adulterous eyes, for our thoughts that have wandered, for our hatred that has consumed us, for our disbelief that you can restore, fix, or heal. Humble us, Lord God. Let us submit to your authority. Let us submit to believing in you and hoping in you again. Let us submit to the marriage, to the spouse that you've given us, to look and find you in every arena of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say this before we do communion and before the band plays. <clears throat> I've been dealing with this all week, and I've realized that maximizing our marriage is, is a great message. I think it has a lot of great truths in it, but we're going to have to come back around in the next few months and really just do a real practical teaching. Is that okay with you guys? I'm not going to tell you when because you won't show up, but in the next few months... <laughs> we have we have sermons scheduled for the next few months. We have we're going to move around this agenda a little bit because um, I feel like this is something that's important. And so not only do we need to just kind of get these concepts of what that looks like, but then we need to come back around to literal practical application. Step one, step two, how to do what to do if this doesn't get done. We got to put this in place. We want the best marriages that God has called us to, and we both have to step up in arenas of our lives. Is that all right with you guys? It doesn't matter. It's happening. So just get ready for it. It's going to, it's going to go down in a few months. Um, as your hearts are getting ready for communion, um, God, I just pray for your people that our hearts will be ready for communion, that we would start to shape and structure and uh, rededicate and commit ourselves to your will and to your truth. Um, as your heart is ready, please come up and join us in communion.